to another episode of the Powerless and Powerful Recovery Podcast. My name is Jason. I'm an alcoholic and addict. As always, our mission is to share experience, strength, and hope across multiple media platforms. The story of addiction and the road to recovery. We're not affiliated with Alcoholics Anonymous or any other 12-step-based organizations or groups in any way. This is the Powerless to Powerful Podcast. We're live at Sanctuary uh, Studios. You know, shout out Sanctuary Recovery Centers. This podcast is, is sponsored by Sanctuary. So shout them out and, you know, look up the stuff, man, and just come be a part of the true healing and continued care that Sanctuary has to offer. But here we are, man. It's another episode, and my new and official co-host, Ronnie, no matter what. What's up, brother? What's up, Jay? Oh, we're here. We're rocking the blue, the blue Yankees. I mean, do we want to talk about that Yankee losing streak right now? Yeah, we'll, yeah. No, we're not going to talk about that right now. Yeah, we'll talk about Val and our guest yeah. today. <laughs> Val is here, yeah, live in the studio, Miss Valerie Prather. There she is. Hi guys, how are you? Here, here <laughs> you are. Oh, awkward. Hold it together, Val. You can do this. Val, please hold it together. Hey. hey. <laughs> hold it together. You know, so on this episode, man, we're gonna, you know, go through Valerie's story. We're gonna talk about, you know, what it was like for her, and you know, share some of her experience. You know. Um, the trauma and everything that she's been through and ultimately, you know, we'll kind of close out with the miracle of what life's like today. You know, and we had, you know, I know you obviously, you actually trained me, we worked together, right? And, you know, me and Ram, we both met her when? When we got out of prison. Yeah, I mean, and there she is. <laughs> and it just so happened, what was crazy is the circle that you ran in with the CMA and the meetings and then I happened to work with her and you were running into her at meetings, and then all of a sudden she's like, yeah, I work with this dude named Jason and Aunt Sarah. People think I'm two people. Yeah, Aunt Sarah. <laughs> and here we are, man. It's just, it's crazy how God works, and you know, when we're through awareness, we get to experience this power working in all of our lives, and it, and it brought us all together right here, right now, for this moment. So, you don't have any memory from being born to 12 years old? Not really, not at all. Not really or not at all? Not at all. Like zero? Like zero. I'm not like sitting outside in Pennsylvania because I used to go back and forth from what my mom told me. And like I was playing Barbies in a green field in a trailer and that was it. I was always alone. And that's, that's your only memory? Yeah. And my dad stuffing me in the back of the couch. Stuffing you in the couch? Yeah. Like you know those fold out couches? Yeah. Yeah. Couch bed. And that's like really it. That's it. Okay. Mm-hmm. You think? What do you think is the contributing factor to why you don't have any memory of your early childhood? Do you have any idea? Uh, I'm assuming a lot of trauma. Most likely. Yeah. Sure. Most trauma. likely. Yeah. And you know, your story's you know, it's got a lot of trauma, man. It can be heartbreaking at times. And you know, when you share that, it's so powerful. And you know, Ron, how how much it, it, how important is it to share that type of trauma? You think? Well, the first thing I want to say before I say that, and I need you to know this, Val, because I don't know if you know this or not, Jason and I were talking about it. You played a huge role in, in me integrating back into society. You know, it wasn't by design, right? We just happened to meet each other, right? God put us, put our paths together. And, you know, for my first couple months out, I had like seen you almost every day and meeting you took me my fourth, fourth, my first Fourth of July in almost a decade. You <laughs> that know, was a blast. Who, bought, who bought the glow sticks? I think it was Dean and Rob was yeah. buying for me and Lanny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I just need you to know that you know that 
you hold a special place in my heart, and I know Jason's as well. And with the trauma, right, I've seen <clears throat> the circle of women that you run with, and using that, those traumas from, your, from, from that group of women's lives to help other women heal, help them heal and help you heal is a miracle to watch. Because I've had a front row seat with for it for 17 months, right? So I get to see, and I don't know if you know how powerful your message is. Sometimes I know you don't think it is, Mm-hmm. But it is that. Thank you. I appreciate that, Ron. Yeah, and so it's important to you know to share that those types of things, you know, so we know that we're not alone and that you know we're not the only ones who have experienced that sort of thing. And so you know, really, your story picks up at your first memory, and that first memory is what seventh grade. Seventh grade, yep. What's that look like? Uh, so apparently, I used to act out in seventh grade a lot. I'd come home with make your day slips and. Uh, I would secretly have my older sister sign them for me, and she got tired of it, but my stepdad knew, and that time my stepdad and my mom had a baby, and he wasn't going to have that trouble around his newborn baby, so therefore, he kicked me out. And you got kicked out? Mm-hmm. Got sent to my dad's back in Tucson. Oh, Tucson. Shout out 520. <laughs> yeah. Shout out Wildcats. <laughs> Valencia. <laughs> No, Golf Links and Pentano. Oh, my bad. Golf Links. <laughs> like Lakeside. Like Lakeside? Oh, that's the trailer park over there. No. <laughs> oh, my bad. I just made an assumption. What do they say about something? What, what do they say about assume? Make an ass out of you and me? Yeah. Is that what they say? Yeah. Oh, my bad. So, so what was the age that, that you went to Tucson? Um, it was, I was 13 in seventh grade, I believe. Yeah, 13. Was there drugs? Already drug use? No, not until I went back to live with my dad, and that was 8th grade. I was like 13, 14, I can't really remember however old I was. And uh, my dad would take me to the bars with him until midnight, and then send me back home, and then they would come home like t- in between like 2 and 4 and start drinking and partying with me. So, I mean, it was just a full-on party at all times, so, you know, you have the cool parents, right? I, yeah, at the time. Cool mom, cool dad? Well, I really admired my stepmom a lot. That's who, like, introduced me to, like, my first addiction. Yeah, and so, one thing I know about cool mom and cool dad, cool mom and cool dad kids, they go to prison. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we always want cool mom and cool dad, but when we're sitting around the yard... <laughs> Want to need some money on the books? <laughs> you know, good shit. You know, good shit. <laughs> you know, good shit. <laughs> Tough love. Tough love, right? And so, you know, when we're starting to, you know, party at a young age, and we're, you know, going to the bars, and parents coming home, and you're alone a lot, and the progression starts. 14 years old, you start drinking, you know, and then you get introduced to hard drugs. Do you remember the, you know, the first time? What was the hard drugs you got introduced to? Um, so it was cocaine with my stepmom first, and then weed. Um, that's what I started doing at 14. And then I decided to go live my own life, leave my dad's house, and I got introduced to pills. So I was doing pills, and then I didn't Opiates. No, it was just like Klonopin. Oh, okay. I used to snort them because they tasted like Smarties, so I really, really liked them. Oh, really? Yeah. Smarties. First off, you might be the only person in America that thinks Smarties are good. They are. That's my favorite candy. Oh my god! What was the first hard hard drug you did? Were you smoking crack, huh? 
You're old school. Crack. Crack. I yeah, love crack. Yeah. Ether-based crack. <laughs> that was... I love crack, Val. You know, I love crack so much. <laughs> so what I want to ask you, Val, is, you know, because we all know what the book says, right? The big book says that men and women drink essentially because they like the effect produced. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like to me, from, just from knowing you and, and hearing you had this trauma and now it's acceptable for you to get loaded in the house so you don't have that... You don't have that stigma of the of the authority figure saying no, you can't do that. What did at that age? What was drugs and alcohol doing for you? Uh, it was making me be part of something. Um, I had friends. Um, I was the 16 year old hanging out with my dad's guy friends and the women that they brought over, and that's a whole nother situation that I got into with that. But. Um, you know, a 16-year-old shouldn't be hanging out with older people, but people their age, right? And that's not what I was doing. Um, I was picked on, bullied throughout high school until like my junior year, because I like stood up for myself and I was like, I'm not gonna do this anymore. So yeah, being a part of something, uh, the drugs definitely made me feel a part of. Right, because you were alienated with, with, with kids your age, right? mm-hmm. picked on, bullied, teased, whatever it was, mm-hmm. and now you're with the the cool parents. Yeah. <laughs> but again, the kids of the cool parents end up where, Jay? Yeah, they go to jail. They go to prison. <laughs> That's where they go. And, you know, we always talk about that, man. You know, the drugs and the alcohol are the solution to the problem. The problem is, you know, the guilt, the shame, the embarrassment, the remorse, the regret, the trauma, um, the, you know, the self-loathing, the, the low self-esteem. You know, there's just such a combination that goes into it because once we put drugs and alcohol into our system, we get that relief, right? And drugs and alcohol work, and they always work. Don't think, don't feel, don't care. Yeah. Right? And it doesn't even matter, right? But the problem is, and that's how we get caught in that cycle of a spree, where every time we reuse again as the solution to the negative emotions, we create more negative emotions. And so we're like hamsters running on a wheel, and every time we feel again, when we kick into the remorse stage, it feels worse every single time, and it feels like we can't get out of there. And as alcoholics and addicts, man, we have a high, high threshold for pain. And I know you got a high threshold for pain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely like pain. Yeah, and so as humans, you know, we avoid pain at all costs and pursue pleasure by any means, mm-hmm. right? And so the progression of the next five years, there's a story about a treehouse. Yeah, um, you lived I had, in a treehouse. Yeah, it was like the coolest thing ever. So like everybody down in the house would like drink, but I would go up in my treehouse and I would do dope, and I'd fuck around with people who would walk by and like throw papers at them and be like, tweet, 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 <laughs> you know. So this treehouse was actually in the backyard of your parents' house. No, it's not at my parents'. This time I left at home already. Okay. You know, on my own. So this is in the back of the trap house. It was actually in the front of the house. The, the, of a house in the house. front yard. They had a tree house in the front yard. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And but what? you couldn't see us because the tree was so big. Oh, and, no. Like, it was hidden. Nobody saw you at all. No. no. They, they didn't even know you were there. Uh-uh. So I used to fuck with people walking by all the time. And so, so now <laughs> over the next five years, you know, you're couch surfing, you know, you're involved with, you know, bikers and, you know, being out here in Arizona, Tucson, it doesn't matter where you're at in Arizona. If you want to get drugs for cheap, you got to have the Mexican National Connect, the Paisa Connect. <laughs> I love my <laughs> And you always had that Paisa Connect. Yes. Right? So what's just, in a, in a nutshell, what's the next, you know, five years of hardcore, full throttle, six-year active addiction? 
what's the next five years like? And I, and I kind of bullet pointed some of the things that were there, but what's that time period look like for you? It was chaos, um, it just self-destruction really. Um, you know, I just did whatever I wanted. I had no adult authority. I got introduced to doing meth. Um, three days later, heroin. And within a month, I'm shooting a month both. Like, I've been doing dope for my whole life. Um, and we used to, like, trap out in these apartments, and we had boarded windows. And it was cool because we'd go in there and just sleep. And the manager of the apartment um, complex, actually, my baby's daddy's dad snorted. Your baby's daddy's dad. Yeah. Okay. There's a lot going on. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's a whole shit show that was going on. But actually, uh, snorted coke off of her butt crack. So we had stuff against her. And we had it on camera. Well, for washing. <laughs> like shit oh, got we crazy. Don't wanna, we don't want to get sidetracked right now, me and you. Venice. Yeah. Venice. <laughs> I mean, we actually boarded a deal today, mm-hmm. brother. Just like the old days. Spit that thing. Spit that thing, brother. And so, you know, just the insanity that ensues, you know, um, Ron, do you remember, you know, when you discovered meth? I do. I do. And like, when you just said that, I just kind of got all warm and fuzzy because I, you know, meth cured a 25 year crack cocaine addiction for me. And then it also convinced me like, because I immediately did the meth and the crack pipe I threw on the ground, and my mind said, you're not a drug addict, you were just doing the wrong drug. This is the one, right? This is the drug that, because I was able to do other things besides just being in a room smoking crack. Mm-hmm. It, it added to everything, and I had this false reality, and I pulled it off for a while, but, but what always happens with the meth now, right? It brings us to that place. Yeah. I see psychosis. Yeah, and so it brings you to that place. <laughs> what about the cat? Yeah, let's talk about that place. What about the cats? Oh. And the birds. I need to know about the aliens and and the spaceships. All right. So, like like I said, so, like, when I was with Baby Daddy in Tucson, before I found out about the birds and the cats, you know? um, No, I don't know. You're going to educate us today. Usually I'm educating you and you're going to educate me and Ron today. But, like, we would go on a sick one, you know? Baby Daddy would be with guitar, butt-ass naked, just, like, oh, Matthew McConaughey in it? Yeah. <laughs> Buddy naked in the front yard yes. with music? And yes. you just thought he was so hot and that was so romantic? Dude, no. Like, I thought <laughs> no. it was funny. Like, I would be in the closet because the apartments, you would just open the closet door and you can see through the front window. So I'd just laugh. And then we'd go search for our invincible spaceship. Did you ever find it? No, we didn't. We're still searching. Still? Still, to this day. Even in recovery. Even in recovery. Oh my god. No, I'm just kidding, but... We work together. We might have to schedule you a a sit-down with our clinical director. We might want to talk about that. It's probably a good idea. (laughs) And I remember, Ron, the reason why I asked you about the meth is, you know, because you come from the East Coast out here in New York, and you come out to Arizona, you know, and you had a real resentment against everyone out here in AZ. Yeah. Why we were... We're, we're holding something from you. We're yeah. hiding something from you. Yeah, you're hiding that. You know, the methamphetamine was, it, it, it did so much for me when I did it. It just changed everything. I mean, everything was already so off kilter, and I was already so broken. And in, in a weird way, the meth fixed everything because it fixed a lot of problems I had in my life, and that was not being able to have a job, not being able to have a home, not being able to have a car. I did meth, all of a sudden I had two cars, I had a home, I had a girlfriend, I'm like, wow, how did this happen? 
Well, but it was all legally and it was prostitutes, right? Well, well no, <laughs> no, 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 because the thing is, like, I was going 100 miles an hour. You know, I was I, I was able to stay up for days and days and it fit into the field we were in, you know, the telemarketing, it just fit. Nobody questioned it, you know, and, 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 and meth was, for me, meth brought me to my knees like, like no other drug did because mentally um, it broke something up here for a very long time. Well, you're not the only one meth brings to it. There's kids listening badly. Oh, my God, no. You, could, you can't help you, yourself. You couldn't help yourself, <laughs> could you? Anytime I have an opening, I go for it. <laughs> well, we know that's oh, right. Oh, in more than one way. Yeah, we know that's right, Bob. Valerie. And so, you know, when we really look at that, though, you know, that's the seriousness of, you know, the drugs and the alcohol and the effects that it has on our brain, right? Because it completely hijacks our brain, right? And it tricks our brain into thinking that it's producing the natural chemicals that it produces pleasure, the dopamine, the pleasure center, the euphoria, and everything that the drugs and the meth and, the, and all drugs produce at such a high amount, a mass amount, that it tricks the brain into thinking it's doing it. So when we get sober or we go to detox or we finally hit rock bottom, dude, we feel like we want to put a bolt in our head and we're going to die. And it's because our brain is pretty much shut down in the neural pathways and transmitters and it's just a hot wired ass brain, right? And so when we're looking for aliens and spaceships, you know. <laughs> what about the catch? Please tell us briefly about the catch. Okay, so the second round, because I got clean and sober for like two and a half years, you know, I ended up having my first child and then um, got back with baby daddy. He got out of prison. Um, did you write him while he was gone? I actually did. Good for you. I no. did. Um, were, you, were you faithful? Uh, we weren't together. Yeah, so it didn't matter. Yeah. It, we, th at this time, this is where like the beginning of our relationship really started was when he was in prison. Um, so we got out and I thought I could take care of him, right? And have a kid. Excellent. Yeah. You fix him. Yeah. And then in return, you'd be fixed. Yeah. Because you'd have what you wanted, right? Yeah. Because he loved me, right? I, I believed him when he loved me. So I'm so codependent. Anybody who tells me they love me, I'm going to believe them. But, um, so then we ended up having a kid, right? And then um, everything went to shit. He was using heroin again, and he destroyed our whole lives. I allowed him to destroy our lives. And, um... I lost everything and I gave custody to my mom and my two girls and she put them up for adoption and that's when I went on a sick one out here in Phoenix and I found out there was a whole different life and there's bird drones and bird cats. Bird drones and bird cats. <laughs> Hold on, wait, okay, no. Drone cats and drone birds. Drone yes. cats, drone birds. Okay, yes. yeah, we got it. Doesn't matter how you say it. So mm -hmm. you believe and you've seen and you believe it to be true, and you, and you believe this, and I'm not discrediting it because I love you, and when you love somebody, whether you believe their feelings or thoughts or bullshit or insanity or not, if they're real to them, you got to validate them. So, Ron and I love you. We'll validate these feelings right now. Is that okay, Ron? I've seen them too well. Oh, shit. Yeah, when they're not chirping, when a bird is just sitting there and it's not chirping and it won't move, like, it's a fake thing. How about this one? They're heading moves like it shouldn't move, like a robot. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, yeah, I know, I'm there with you. Yeah. They had them in Chandler too. Jay, they were there. They were there. Outside their office. And those oh. fake palm trees they have too, that well, are like... cell phone towers. Yeah, but like, <laughs> trust me, if they have those fake palm trees, they have fake freaking birds. If they have cell phone towers, they have all that. Yeah. Okay. The government. 
And so let's kind of just, you know, pick back up and kind of get like, you know, to really see the full scope of it because we're talking about, you know, someone who has basically been on their own um, since, you know, uh, high school, you know, started using drugs in between eighth grade, freshman year, hardcore drugs and couch surfing and tree houses and trap houses and, you know, everything that comes with that uh, extreme amount of trauma and you really haven't even experienced or yet up until this point the real um, insanity and the traumatic experiences that kind of, you know, mold us for everything that's to come um, going forward. And you have some kids, you know, you get your life together, but you lose everything again. I mean, how many times, Ron, have we done that, man, where we get everything back and then we lose it all again? How, how, when you're sitting there after just getting everything back and just like you said, Val, I can do it one time. And then, you know, the progression of the disease, we, we lose everything quicker every time. You remember when you're sitting there, man, with your hands on your head with a duffel bag, right? And I know I was going to have to send you to Ohio because you were at all these warrants and we had to, we had to <coughs> get you some money together, right? Do you remember that feeling after having the house and the car and the BMW and, the, you know, the telemarketing office and everything that we had together, dude? What was that feeling like for you? It was... Wow. I mean, <laughs> you just said it just hit me because when you were going through that list of stuff, you know what I mean? I kind of was living the... That delusional dream that you live in addiction, you know, if I could only get these things, I would be okay. And I did get the house. I had the girlfriend. Then I had the side chick, right? Mm -hmm. I had the hot side chick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, you know, and, and I had the, the, the BMW and, and the money and the stuff like that. And, and then when it was, when I, when it exploded, what hit me the most is when you did get me to Ohio. And I went and I got that studio apartment in Fremont, Ohio. Shout out Ohio. Yeah, shout out Ohio. One light town, right? Right on the Sandusky River. And I go into this third story. Uh, I had to climb up all these stairs to get into this little studio. And I walk in there and there's a Murphy bed in the wall. And pull the Murphy bed out. And I remember I pulled it out. And I sat on that Murphy bed and I just, I broke. Yeah, oh my God, dude, this is what I'm doing now? Shit incomprehensible demoralization, right? We talk about that quicksand, right? It was super quicksand. And then when you're in it, you try, you want to get out, and your intentions are that we do want to get out. We are going to do better. I'm going to love him a little bit more. I'm just going to work a little harder. I'm going to pay more attention to the kids, and that's going to be the solution, right? Yeah. But then, but then what do we say? I'm just going to do a little bit. Just a little bit. Take the edge off. I worked real hard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only gonna smoke spice. That's it. Just for the record, I'm in the front row right now, dude. This dude had a $500 a day spice habit. Oh lord, and you got retarded. That happened. Yeah. Well, you might ask my wife, and she might tell you otherwise. <laughs> I don't believe so. Well, she is the boss. It, it got to the point because this is when spice was when they were coming out with all these laws about it, and this was the funny thing. Jason could. He had burned up all the spice connects in town, so he used to have to send me in because I got the paint job, right? So I go in and they know I'm a convict. He'd go in there, they're like, no, you're a cop, get out of here. <laughs> yeah, they made it illegal and they would never sell to me, so I'd have to send Ron in there. Yeah. And so, you know, as everything, the progression starts and, you know, from having everything like you had when you had the kids, now you lost the kids, you lost the house, you lost the apartment, you lost the car, you lost the job, you lost the relationship, and now we're going super hard. You know, it talks about in the doctor's opinion of the big book, make the supreme sacrifice rather than continue to fight, right? And we'll sacrifice everything, our freedom, our health, our children, 
right? Sometimes we're on a suicide mission, right? Fuck it. I don't even care. It doesn't even matter. And so you go on this next um, four or five year run and it gets bad for you. So I want you to take a moment here and just share what it was like from living in the river bottom and the county jail trips. And, uh, you know, if you're willing and you feel comfortable enough, I'd like you to share about what, what the trauma was that ensued during that period of time. Because I think it's so powerful for others to hear that because you overcame it, you know the solution, and it doesn't rule your life anymore. So I want you to take a little bit of an opportunity. Because you said what, a shit show? Oh yeah, it was a complete shit show. Okay, let's hear about this shit show. <laughs> so like, the uh, life in Tucson was all fun and games that I thought, right? But I come out here to Phoenix and it's a whole different ball game out here, out here on the streets. Um, you know, I get caught up with this dude um, after I gave my kids away, but I was um, still getting my kids sometimes and I would be smoking dope with them in the rooms and everything. And I just couldn't do that anymore after like a, like a month or so, you know? So I just gave them up and I lived on the street. They stole my car and they actually dropped me off at a prostitution ring. And um, that was crazy. Um, Pisces I did not like anymore after that. <laughs> I was all like, oh, okay, now I know what you guys are really all about, you know? Um, they actually, I seen a girl in the trailer with a chain on the outside and um, she was passed out on heroin. They drugged her up. Um, this dude, he came out and he had like an AR-15 strapped to him and um, he was like, what are you doing? You want some dope? You want to get high with us? And I was like, sure, you know, but I was smart. Like, even though I did heroin, I wouldn't give myself away for heroin. Like, I knew the game. I knew what people were about out here. Um, and I ended up escaping. They, like, shut the door because they were high inside, and I left out the back door because all the Pisces that were out there were in the, like, outhouse in the bathroom, like, watching the girls shower. It was, like, super weird. And this was out in Avondale, Goodyear, um, across the train tracks on MC-85. Um, I later realized these people were called Midnight Productions out there. Um, That's the most scumbag shit that Midnight Productions look. Yeah, it is. And, it, and it's crazy that this even, like, it's true. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you hear a lot of people tell you their stories about it and stuff, and some people are like, oh, that's not true. You were just crazy. Like, even my mom, and I'm like, no, look it up. Like, I gave her all the evidence to it, and she was like, okay, I believe you, because I got clean and sober eventually, you know? And um, But they followed me. They never kidnapped me again, but they followed me, and they gaslighted me completely all the time to make me think I was super, super crazy. Um, and then after that... that Why don't was, you explain what gaslighting is? Gaslighting? They make you, like, believe something's real, but it's not. And then, like, they would used to do, like, signals. They would honk, and then other people would honk across the thing. And it was, um, what is that called? Um, it was just, like, signals to make you think you're crazy. They followed you. Yeah, and they, they were just basically, you. you know, gassing you up, right, to continue to live in this insanity and basically to break you mentally. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's what it looks like. You know, we're talking about being out on a, a ranch with some Pisces out in Avondale on a prostitution ring, having to it escape. It was a poodle ranch. Uh, uh, <laughs> it was a dog ranch, like out in Amigas. That's where it was. Yeah, that was crazy. Only you, Valerie. Yeah. Okay, so you escape and now you're living <laughs> in the river bottom, right? Yeah. So what's that, you know, what's that like? <laughs> the river bottom, oh God. 
That was crazy. Um, Didn't every- you tell me a long time ago that the, the, the Avondale police burnt your campsite down? You were pissed? Mm-hmm. Avondale police actually burnt the river bottom down a lot of times and made it think that us homeless people did it. And that was like their way of getting us out of there and running us out. It happened actually, um, when was it? On 4th of July one year. It's actually in the newspapers and everything. Yeah, it's crazy. Okay, so you're living in the river bottom. Mm-hmm. Let's see, Ron. Between me and you... <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> no, because when I hear you talking about this, and I know when we do drugs, we feel, um, we feel invincible, right? We mm-hmm. feel unbreakable. But there had to be moments when you were afraid, Valerie. I mean, you're a woman by yourself in those situations and I know that you use humor a lot of the times to, to <laughs> you know, you do that and yeah. it really is holy shit this is messed up right yeah that's my coping mechanism yeah. though that's right. how I cope talk a little bit about that about, about about the fear that was associated with how you were living uh, I never slept never slept um, and when I would sleep it would be when I was up for like a stint period of time and I would just pass out and um <clears throat> I actually had this one dude who I trusted and confided in, and I ended up waking up to him doing things to me, and I was like, you ever touch me again, I'm going to kill you. Um, that's actually the same dude that gave me a hot shot and tried killing me, and that's what the scar is on my right arm, if you guys ever seen it, you know? Right. Um, I actually ended up tripping for like 12 hours thinking my kids were being tortured and kidnapped, my whole family. Um, it was insane. It's scary. It really is. Because um, you don't know who to trust. You can't even trust your own kind out there. It's like the, what this world has become is such a crazy, psychotic, insane world. It's like I can't even believe like it's happening at all. Do you ever, do you, ever you know, like now that I'm like, you know, out the game, right, and everything that we used to, we all are, right, we're all in retirement, if you will. Um, you know, when I think about it, you know, all the insanity just of our own, yeah, just of our own lives and just our own stories and all the crazy insanity that we have been through and everything that you've been through, do you ever think like there's just millions of people that are just clueless as to what's going on right around them? Do you ever think that? Because I'll be driving and be like, damn, there's some crazy shit that I know what's going on over there. Most people have no idea about that. Do you ever have those thoughts? Yeah, I'm scared for them. Yeah, me too. Especially with the climate right now, with the fentanyl op- epidemic, and and like any QT I drive by, it breaks my heart because I have a daughter your age, right? Mm-hmm. And any QT I drive by, I see twenty Valerie's in the parking lot, right? <laughs> you couldn't handle twenty. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but you know what I'm saying? These, these young young women, mm-hmm. and and my heart breaks for them because I know what's. I know what they're doing. I know what I know what the scene is, and I know that you talked about it—that insanity, that fear, of not being able to trust anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other side of that is this too, Val, and I'm I'm a firm believer in this, and I know and I know we all are. There's a reason we're all at this table right now. There's a reason we all met, and there's somebody who needs to hear your story, and that's why you're doing this today. They need to hear you say this because maybe they need to to get the motivation or the courage to be able to ask somebody for help. Because if Diggly asks Crazy Valerie, right? Can, 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 
can do it and live this life sober and be able to have a job and a career, and we'll get to all that in a minute, well, then they can too, and that's that hope, right? That's that hope, that, that little glimmer of hope that all of us needed at one point, because if there was no hope, we wouldn't have done what we needed to do to get our feet going in the right direction, like Jason always said, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, you know, ultimately, that's what this whole podcast is about from the very beginning when I first started this thing was just if one, if I spent the next... 15, 20 years recording, you know, however many episodes, however much time that I spent on it, and only one person, you know, got their feet moving, initiated some action, you know, moved through the stages of change, and was able to recover, then every minute that I spent would be worth it, you know. Fortunately, God's had, God has his hands in this thing, obviously, because we're sitting here together tonight. <laughs> and, you know, if you listen to the first episode of, uh, you know, the new edition, my co-host Ryan, no matter what, um, and our story, you know, it's truly a miracle that we are all, are all sitting here today. And so when we look over, you know, the next, you know, chapter, right, it's important for everyone to understand because a lot of times when we start talking about our stories and you're listening to a podcast and then you start to hear what life's like today, sometimes you forget real quick what it was like and everything that it took. I mean, we're talking about losing your kids. We're talking about being kidnapped. We're talking about being sexually abused. We're talking about psychosis, right? We're talking about living in river bottoms and, you know, living in fear and constant fear and being gaslighted and being chased and aliens and spaceships and tree houses <laughs> and couch surfing and pices and poodles and all kinds of crazy shit. Robot right? That ultimately... <laughs> It only ends in, you know, that's what they say, it ends in three ways. What are they? Jails, institutions, and death. And and thank God, thank God, yours yours ended-ish, because there was another slip involved, in a a prison sentence on DOC, right? So you did a two and a half year, two year prison sentence, right? Mm -hmm. What were your thoughts when you were in there? What were your thoughts and plans when you were going to get out? What were you going to do? Uh, I was going to stay clean and sober, I was going to get my kids back, um, I was going to work the steps because I got a little bit of what the taste was for it in there, but I still didn't know a lot of it because it wasn't really big on our yard. Um, and I was just going to go back to school and I was going to just be sober. I really didn't have anything but be sober. I'm like, dude, I'm just going to be sober and I'm you know, not coming back here, I'll tell you that. That's yeah. what I'm not doing. Yeah. Cause it was horrible. I got kicked out of the kitchen, actually. So I stealing spices. No, um, chicken fried rice, actually. Chicken fried rice. Yeah, you don't want to know what I thought you get. <laughs> the girls pay for that on the yard and bleach too. And that was my hustle because I didn't have anybody. Yeah, like so we did laundry, you yeah, did all that, right? Yeah, for me and my roommate or my bunkie, who's now actually my roommate to this day too. Yeah, and, shout out her. Yeah. You want to throw her name out there? Sure, Rashawn. changes if nothing changes every time people come they come back to prison Ron and we're like dude what happened you know well I went back to what I know so if that's your answer well you better learn something new right <laughs> and that's the whole point we have to learn this new design for living that gives us an opportunity to handle life because life still happens but instead of you know having to use and, and contribute to problem problem more problem we find solutions and we're able to navigate that life because we do it together as part of our team it's a team sport 
And so you have a slip, you have a relapse, you know, and you know, you, you met a guy, right? Yeah, at Crossroads Arcadia. Yeah, <laughs> it's you, a shit did show. you get 13 stepped or did he 13 stepped you? I, I think I 13 stepped that one. I don't know. That we one was multiple. No, that no. Checks out. Yeah, no, yeah, no, that checks no. out. No, 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 no. I'm not like that ratchet. Who had more time? <laughs> Who had more time? Let's get I down to the bottom of it. He was in rehab longer than I was in my sober living. Okay. okay, so. But I mean, we were still fairly new. Like, but I didn't even know what 13 stepping was, so. It's okay. Yeah, 13 yeah. stepping is step 1 plus step 12, right? The 1 plus 12 is 13. Let me share my unmanageable life with you. Yeah, well, I didn't know that at the time, <laughs> right? Because I was in prison and I only had a little bit of that taste of what AA was. Two dead batteries can't start a car, though. Uh, I will try. <laughs> I will try, try anything. <laughs> you know, and that's why the big book talks about it because the most, you know, for all of us, I think every single person in some way, and correct me if I'm wrong, Ron, you know, we all struggle with some form of codependency. I mean, the silent killer. Yeah, it, it, it is, right? And so the big book says, you know, job or no job, wife or no wife, we simply do not stop using or drinking if we place dependence upon people ahead of dependence upon God because that's a relationship that will always be there as long as we're doing our part. How do we do our part? Prayer, meditation, understanding how we experience spirituality in our life and introducing those things into our lifestyle helps us to maintain that connection. Um, and so finally, ultimately, the pain became so great. Uh, you share that the, the birds and the cats, if you want to pick up there, because ultimately wandering the streets, being paranoid and psychosis ultimately leads you to the hot room. Just yeah. shout out to the Skelly house and all the wonderful, beautiful ladies at the Skelly. <laughs> I've heard so much about this hot room. Yeah. So let me share what brought you in. So it was, it, um, really I hit my rock bottom and I called up my roommate and told her I wanted to get clean and sober, you know. I was tired of running. Um, I was walking so much, miles and miles, just being alone out there and I just had enough of it. And, she told me about this place, and I thought it was going to be like a detox, you know? <laughs> but it, it was not anything I've ever seen before. It is an empty-ass apartment, no TV, no nothing, one book, and you just sat there and detoxed until mm. you were clean. Until you pissed clean, you could come out of that room and start living a life. And then you had to get a job. You had two weeks to get a job. Like, there's no McDonald's. <laughs> no, actually, it was labor ready first. Oh, labor ready. Yeah, that sucked. Yeah, and then so, and then you, your life begins. You know, you detox, which that's respect on that. Mm -hmm. um, and so then you start your life. And now we're talking about working the steps. And you know, what do you think the hardest part for you was, or the biggest obstacle? You know, when it comes to working the steps for you. Uh, not playing the victim anymore. Mmm. Huge. Yeah. Huge. <laughs> Finally taking responsibility for everything in your life and heal from that. Because, like, I can sit here and say, like, everything that's happened to me was other people's fault. Which, some of it was, you know, it wasn't my fault that that happened. It just did. But it was my fault for putting myself in this position to allow it to happen. Because if I was never in that position, it would have never happened. That's huge. Probably. That's huge, right? Yeah. To come to those realizations because we carry those resentments around for a long time and that's how we justify and that's how we make it okay up here and then all of a sudden somebody tells us we did play a part. Yeah. 
and everything. And every, you know, every <laughs> single thing, you know, we play a part, you know, and, and a lot of times that part is is using that event that we didn't play a part in and then holding on to it for 20 years and using it as a justification to continue to use drugs and alcohol. Right, so you start to work the steps, and then you get a job. And now we actually work together. This podcast is sponsored by Sanctuary Recovery Centers. We're actually at Sanctuary Studios right now. Shout out um, Sanctuary! You know, and and we work together. You actually train me. You know, you're one of the longest standing, um, you know, uh, employees with the company. We get to work together on a day to day basis. You know, you you know, you got a better job and a better job, and all of a sudden now you work at Sanctuary, and then you started out as a BHT, and then you became a lead BHT, and now you're a case manager, you're at IOP, you got your own place, you know, you and, you know, the same roommate uh, from the Skelly House, you guys have your own place now. From prison, too. From prison, too, yeah. right? Like, you guys have been riding tough together. Yeah. Well, you must have fluffed good pillows in prison. <laughs> I was a pillow princess. Oh, I, you beat me to it. Hey, you gotta do what you gotta do, right? <laughs> I want to hear about this beautiful baby boy, though. And oh. yes. so, I, so I know I kind of summed all that up. No, no, I want to hear it from you, though. I just I summed up some of the major aspects of your life, but just talk about what going to college, pursuing an MA degree, getting your GED, having a beautiful new baby that you get to be a mother to and experience mm. it and be present in it and have so many people who love you and support you and are around you to pitch in to help you as you continue to go to school and have your career. I want you to just share what, it, since you surrendered and you got sober and you put God first above every relationship, because you've struggled in some relationships, you've had to you know, cut some off and it wasn't always easy. You know, so why don't you just share what life's like today and, you know, and all the just amazing victories that you get to experience on a day-to-day basis. Well, it's the promises, they say, right? When you work your 12 steps, the promises will come true, and that's everything in my life. Like, my own place, I own my vehicle now, you know, paid off. Um, I unfortunately went back to the baby daddy and, you know, had a little one night stand and ended up getting pregnant after a relationship, right? And so I'm blessed with a beautiful son now. Um, I'm going back to school. I have a month left in that. Um, I finally get to do something I really always wanted to do and that's to be a medical assistant, like you said. Um, and I got my high school diploma. It wasn't even a GE. It was a high school diploma. Oh, my yeah. Oh, my you know, so that. Congratulations. Yeah. And I had to do that at the same time being pregnant, going to school, going to college, and I had to do my high school all at once. Anyway, it's hard work, right? But, like, as long as you're determined and you want to do things for yourself to be a better person, like, you'll achieve it. And, yeah, blessings are great, dude. Wonderful boyfriend, got a wonderful yeah, relationship. Shout out to your new relationship, <laughs> big shout out. Yeah, he treats me well. Um, he's not my higher power. Mm-hmm. Um, he does his thing, I do my thing, you know, and there's no jealousy, there's no putting me down emotionally or mentally or even physically, and it, and it feels good, right? Like, that is a plus in my life. Like, I'm happy with who I am today, but those things that I get in my life are just big bonuses. And it's awesome. <laughs> I mean, and, and Ron, how cool has it been to see, to, to experience, because all these victories, how long have you been sober now, Val? Uh, I'll have three years, September We're talking about three years. Three years. Just, yes. No fronts, though. Right? No fronts. <laughs> I got bad credit, Claire. <laughs> I want you to just, 
what has it been like for you? Because you have, just like you said, you had a front row seat, just like I have. You're with her when she's outside of work, and you guys are at meetings together, and you guys are hanging out, and you guys are part of each other's recovery, and then she comes to work and sees me. So we have both had a front row seat. But what has it been like just to see the way that Val has just continued to navigate life and continue to grow in, in, in so many impressive ways? Sure. It, it, to watch it, right, to, to watch since I've known you these 17, 16, 17 months, and see where you came from, um, just in, in recovery, right? The trials and the tribulations of recovery, getting into the relationships. Um, when we met, you were right at the end of that relationship and there was a lot of stuff going on, a lot of stress in your life. And then I watched you um, move on from that relationship, find yourself, uh, grow, continue to stay sober and like, I don't know if you realize this too, you know, like I said in the beginning, you were a huge part of my integration back into society, right? Just, and then the twist to it was, you're one of those females that's in my circle that I'm safe around and vice versa, that we know it's not about any of that, right? It's about compassion, love, and understanding. And I've learned that from you. I don't know if you know that, but I've learned how to be a friend with a female without trying to get her in bed. Well, that's what I was going to say. Like, you and Jason were my first, like, experience into trusting a man after that relationship and recovery. Like, you guys were, like, solid dudes, you know? And that is what I'm really thankful for. And I'm glad you say that because that means a lot to me. It's huge. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. We got to relearn all these things, right? You know? Relearn? I never knew them. Yeah. And the beautiful thing is, is, man, is we get to do it together. And so, you know, you know, having that front row seat valve and, you know, going through it with you, you know, we worked together, me and you, for a year straight, just you and I running a residential treatment together and, you know, experiencing everything and having those talks and having a shit ton of laughs and some still insanity in our, uh, in yeah. our recovery together <laughs> <laughs> and just experiencing all that and bringing you to this moment, you know, this is season three of the podcast, you know, I needed to bring another voice in and, you know, no better person to do it than, you know, my brother Ron and, you know, so what we're doing, and just so for all the listeners that we have all across the world and across the nation, you know, continue to follow the podcast. If you want to be on the podcast, reach out. You know, Valerie obviously works with us. I've said it multiple times. We're going to bring on a couple other sanctuary team members. Ron and I will continue to, um, you know, share their message. And then we're really going to turn it up, Ron and I, for, for season four. I mean, it's going to go next level in so many different yeah. ways. I mean, there might be turkey basters, and there might oh, be... Oh, I sure. Butt rockets. <laughs> oh, my. Right? You can't forget the butt rockets. I'm talking rockets. about food. We like to eat, Val. Valerie. Valerie. Yeah. Again, Val. You know, and you do call me Queen Ratchet. <laughs> oh, and, and that's another thing i got to give you credit for. I learned that word from, from you and Stina and Valerie. Ratchet. Yeah. I, don't yeah. know, I don't know what that word was, and then like I finally got it figured out that ratchet. When you Google it, Valerie's picture comes up. <laughs> like this. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> and so it's just important, man. You know, for everyone listening out there, you know, if you can just listen to the, you know, the issues, the trauma, the experience, the pain, the gift of desperation, and what happens, you know, when you, you know take vigorous action and you're honest and open-minded and willing to do this thing and go, go all in, 
you get to experience the promises, and Ron and I get to experience them not only in our own life, but we get to witness them, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis in your life. And we're just, I'm, I love you, and I'm extremely proud of you. You know, thank you for being on, you know, on the show today. Thank you for having me, Valerie. I just want to say this. I, I just want to say it's, it's been an honor having you as a friend, and. Um, I care about you a lot and I want to see nothing but beautiful things for you and I know that you continue to do things in your life that you're doing, there's stuff that you can't even imagine that are that is coming your way for you and Anthony and for your boyfriend and you're a prime example of somebody who matters and who's valuable and you have a voice today. You don't have to be quiet, you don't have to be that scared little girl anymore, you can be that strong independent woman and you can, you can say how you feel and feel how you say, right? I you know how it goes. I'm proud of you, Valerie. Thank Big you. Time. Thank you. So for all the listeners out there, man, the episode will be dropping every single week. You know, me and Ron, we're doing the damn thing. The co-host now, Ronnie, no matter what, it's in the building. Um, and we'll be here. And so continue to look out, like, subscribe our stuff, Powerless to Powerful, the TikTok, uh, Ronnie, no matter what. Um, you can look up either one of our names, Spotify, iTunes, YouTube. We're all over the place, man. Share the material, share the content, and continue to be supportive to us in the podcast, man. It means the world to us. So continue to, to look out for the new episodes. A new episode will be dropping every single week. So tune in. Let's go.